0: Hello, this is Russell Moore. You're listening to my podcast, and this is a Cross and the Jukebox episode. We examine uh, music and culture and religion and roots through the grid of country music and some other forms of musical expression from time to time as well. Several years ago, When I was serving as preaching pastor in a congregation, um, my, at the time, three-year-old son, Samuel's Sunday school teacher, came up to me in between services and looked a little sheepish, and she said that uh, in their three-year-old Sunday school time that she had uh, asked the children to request songs uh, to sing. And so she was expecting things like, Jesus loves me, and if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands and stuff like that. But Samuel raised his hand and said, I'm going to sing one of my daddy's favorite songs. And she said, okay. And then she said, suddenly his voice uh, got this deep gravity to it, and he started singing Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. And uh, not exactly what she was wanting for the Sunday school class at the time. Now, you are probably uh, familiar with the song Ring of Fire, even if you don't know where it comes from. It's one of those songs that when you start hearing that mariachi music at the very beginning, uh, you you immediately uh, recognize it. And I remember hearing this song as a little kid. I thought uh, the song was about hell. I went into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. I went down, down, down into that ring of fire, that ring of fire. It sounded to me like hell. And I grew up in a church where there was a lot of talk about hell. Hellfire and Brimstone. That was a, a topic that was uh, talked about constantly. And so hell was on my mind. I was worried about hell. I was uh, uh, had a, a great deal of anxiety about ending up in hell. And so I thought this is what the song was about. And then when I was in adolescence, I remember hearing this song and thinking to myself, no, it's not about hell. I think this is about love. And as somebody who was dealing with all of the tumults of uh, puppy love as uh, as an adolescent, it made sense to me that you feel like you're falling into a ring of fire. It's so unpredictable around you. Now... As the years have gone uh, past, I realize it's actually about both. It's about hell and it's about love at the same time. Now, one of the things that we need to keep in mind about Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash didn't write this song. Um, he was able to sing it as though he had uh, written it, as, as though he owned it. But uh, he didn't write it. It was written by June Carter, uh, later his wife, June Carter Cash, and a guy by the name of Merle Kilgore. And uh, she, June Carter, says that this was written in the time when she was feeling the pull and the temptation toward uh, Johnny Cash. And remember, of course, that uh, this began while he was still married. So this was this was not the sort of uh, innocent dawning love that you might see. This was an affair, an extramarital, adulterous affair at the very beginning. And so when you hear this song through that grid, you can hear something about this use of fire. Now, I think that this language of fire that she uses and that he sings is really important for us to understand because if you think about fire for a minute, there's something comforting about fire of a certain sort. Uh, Richard Nixon, uh, the story goes, used to turn the air conditioner down really low in a, a room uh, in the White House and so that he could turn the fireplace on and sit in front of the fireplace in the middle of the summer. And a lot of people made fun of that and said, can you believe the waste in uh, that sort of energy, especially right before the Jimmy Carter years when he's encouraging people to keep the thermostats up to save energy? Uh, And although I wouldn't do that, it makes sense to me. I understand why you might want to do that because there's there's just nothing more uh, comforting than sitting in front of a fire and warming up in front of uh, a fireplace. I've even tried some of these uh, video streaming services of, of fireplaces crackling and it just isn't the same. Uh, the, the house I live in doesn't have a fireplace and I miss it. We had a fireplace growing up and I could sit in front of that and just watch uh, watch the, the the wood crackling, and there's just nothing like it. There's something comforting about that sense of warmth that comes with the hearth and comes with fire. That kind of shows up in there was a really sappy uh, evangelical praise chorus, and I'm really reluctant to even say that because I made fun of a song one time on one of these programs. I'm not even going to say what it was, and then later. I met the person who wrote the song and the greatest guy. And all I could think about the whole time was, oh, I hope he didn't hear me criticize his song. Uh, and, and you know, as time has gone on, I, I think his song is better than, than what I characterized it as back in the day. I don't know that that is ever going to be the case with this one. Uh, pass it on. Now, when I was a kid, and they would have um, hymn request night. You could request whatever you wanted to. I was a little kid, and the teenagers would sometimes uh, request pass it on. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around are warmed up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You want that, You want to pass it on. I don't, I, I remember all of the lyrics to it, but that's the, that's the general. Just the sense of fire as something that is warm and unifying and comforting, or. You can think of fiery uh, used in terms of um, anointing or power. He, he's on fire for the Lord or or even just in a secular sense uh, that guy is really on fire with the way that he's doing uh, his job. You can even put uh, fire emojis to say oh, what you said was a mic drop sort of uh, moment. And that it comes out of something that the scripture points to—the presence of God in fire. So the the fire of the burning bush, the uh, the fire that consumes the sacrifices, and indicates that God is there at at Pentecost when the Spirit comes down in tongues of fire. Presence of. God, presence of warmth, uh, presence of life, but fire is also dangerous. So in this sense, fire, uh, biblically, and just in terms of our um, our, our human understanding of fire, is, is really similar to water. If you think about how water works uh, in, in Scripture, both in terms of giving life, Ezekiel 47, the water that comes from the temple, or uh, in terms of judgment. The water of Noah's flood, and in the water of baptism, we have both life and and death together uh, there. Fire is very similar. so if you if you think about, for instance, Moses, when he encounters uh, God, when he's uh, shepherding uh, after in his time of of self-imposed or circumstance imposed, I guess you could say exile, and he sees a bush that is burning. Exodus says, but it is not being consumed. That's what is so odd about this is that uh, fire normally burns things up and, and consumes things, but that wasn't happening at this point. And that's why you've got this uh, this imagery of God. Our God is a consuming fire uh, that uh, book of Hebrews talks about, pointing back to Deuteronomy. But there's also something about the way that we experience fire in terms of our own uh, passions. So 1 Corinthians 7, for instance, says, and it's really similar to the sort of confusion that I had about this song, Ring of Fire. It is better to marry. Paul is saying to people, it's better if, you're, if you don't marry, if you're, you're given wholly over to the, to the mission of Christ, but it is better to marry than it is to burn. A lot of people take that as it's better to get married than to go to hell. That's, that's not what uh, I think Paul means or what most people who've looked at this think Paul means, thinks he means it's better to marry than to burn with passion. That's really close to what June Carter was talking about and Johnny Cash was singing about in this song. Not hell as in terms of a final judgment, but this burning of desire. Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring, and then the song goes on to describe uh, the experience of having this this fire that doesn't seem to go out. Now, that's going to be a theme that's going to be present in in lots of songs, and maybe we'll talk about uh, later on. There's nothing cold as ashes after the fire is gone. This is that's a song saying that uh, when love. Has or or passion has gone out of a relationship. The like the coldness that's left there is awful. So they're they're sort of uh, nostalgic for the fire that they used to have. Well, this is not that way. It's not looking back from coldness. It's in the middle of the heat and saying that this uh, this fire is is um, on the one hand very attractive. It's it's drawing the person in, and yet it is torture. It burns, burns, burns. This ring of fire, and so both of those two things are present there. Now, why? What? What is it about that? Well, I think that there's a way that sometimes uh, we, as Christians or, or other people, will talk about love, and we will say love is not a feeling; love's a, a commitment, and that there's a there's a, an immense amount of truth in that, so insofar as that goes, that is completely true. What we're intending to say by that is that you can't judge love by uh, sort of adolescent hormonal uh, giddiness. You, you can't uh, judge love uh, simply in terms of sexual uh, attraction or passion or, or, or those sorts of things. That love is deeper than that. And that even if you don't feel like remaining faithful to your love, you should do that. So that is true, but it's not altogether true in the sense that when we say that love is a decision, uh, what we're not saying is that love is... Is some sort of technique or some sort of rational uh, decision making that can take place. Love doesn't operate that way, uh, and sometimes people will say, "Well, but you're uh, taking a very modern romantic view of love," and people can't. Uh, that's that's why you end up with people saying, "Oh, I think I found my soulmate." Uh, because I'm in love with this person rather than with the person that I'm married to. And what they're talking about is that feeling, and that that has to be repudiated and say, stand by your words, stand by your man, stand by your woman, Uh, those sorts of things. But on the other hand, love isn't entirely rational. So it's not as though, for instance, someone is saying, you know, I really do feel a responsibility to propagate the human race. Uh, therefore, I need to find someone who has genetic material that can combine with mine in such a way that the race will go on. That That's that's not what happens. Uh, that That's not how this takes place. And that's not the way that we see love pictured in the Bible either. So uh, as much as you've got the warning away from a passion that leads in the wrong direction— uh, it's just not true that the Bible does not present to you anything akin to what we think of as romantic love. I mean, that's, that's exactly what um, the, the narrative is in terms of Rachel and Leah, for instance. There's a, a real love that is being kindled here for Rachel in the book of Genesis that Leah just cannot be a stand-in for that um you think about the the sort of language that's being used in Song of Solomon there's there's not this entirely rational sort of uh, aspect to love even at the very beginning of the biblical story when Adam is presented with Eve uh, at last this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh so there's a sense in which this this understanding of love as a burning thing it's 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 something that is mysterious it it, it can't be uh, explained it can't really be handled it's this uh, maybe a secret spark that just just starts going and, and starts moving outward and and uh, affecting all sorts of other things that's present in the song but also the understanding of this fire as being dangerous now remember Uh, Johnny and June were not the only people involved in this, nor was it simply the case that this was between Johnny and June and God. Uh, You had families involved. You had children involved. You had marriages involved, all of which were being affected by uh, this temptation toward uh, a love affair that did in fact happen. And and these implications were far-reaching. Uh, I listened to an interview not long ago with Roseanne Cash, talking about Johnny's uh, daughter by his first wife, talking about how uh, when she started to ascend in the music business, she was really scared of fame. Uh, because she thought fame meant being on the road, being uh, uh, traveling, and that meant being away from your family, and that meant that your family would break down. Well, that's that's all spinning out of this situation, and that's what uh, this song is talking about. So if you think about some of these lyrics, I fell for you like a child, like a child. So I think that there's a double meaning there. There's a sense of innocence there, if we think of childlikeness and the way that that's used in, in Scripture and in the way that we think, uh, it could be used for innocence, unless you're like a little child, you cannot uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, Jesus says, or it can be used for immaturity and, um, and ignorance, And so when I became a man, Paul says, I put away childish things. The Bible uses it in both of those ways in in different aspects. Uh, This song, I think, is using it in some ways in both. I think that there's the subtext there where June Carter is maybe trying to convince someone else, maybe trying to convince herself that she wasn't trying to hurt anybody uh, that this was that there was something innocent at the beginning of this, just like a, a child, and I think that there's a, a subtext of a confession. I was like a child in the sense that I didn't, I didn't take responsibility uh, for this. But the fire gets wild. The the fire got out of control, and so if you think about the sort of, um, I, I read an article years ago. Uh, by a woman who was talking about what it was like to have an affair. And she said that in her experience and in the experience of everybody she's talked to, the sex was really good, in, you know, good in in terms of the, the definition that she's giving for it. I don't mean morally good, but really good because she says it's the uh, sort of that uh, fire of newness Uh, that's there, combined with this sense of taboo and the sense of forbidden. She says, but that doesn't last. And even while it's going on, it is so double-edged that she talked about how if you miss um, a family gathering or you miss a child's Christmas program or something because you've worked too long, you have a certain kind of guilt. But if you miss one of those things because you're sneaking around having an affair, it's It's a thousand times worse, a million times worse. So the fire is getting out of control here. That's in the song. And then there's also this language of binding, bound by wild desire, I fell into a ring of fire. That seems like a mixed metaphor. It seems like uh, I'm bound and I'm falling at the same time, but I don't think it's a mixed metaphor. I think it's intentionally, uh, intentionally mixed because... You're bound by this desire, so you you can't get out of it. It feels like, and you're falling, so it's it's as though you have no restraint at all. Both of those two things are taking place, and I think that there's something perceptive in that because the reverse uh, is true as well. Fidelity is the reverse of being bound by wild desire. So, uh, fidelity is a binding forsaking all others, clinging to you and you only always. That's a binding that leads to freedom. Uh, the, the deepening of a relationship in fidelity ultimately leads to the, the freedom to to really know one another, to really trust one another the, the the intimacy that can grow out of that as opposed to being bound in desire, that is is simply moving in a direction uh, that seems like freedom at first. It seems like it's being unhitched from restraint, but ultimately leads to slavery. That's what this song is ultimately getting at. It's getting at what uh, the Bible talks about when it talks about the spirit and the flesh. If you wanna think of the way that uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about the flesh, he's not talking about the body. He's talking about our creatureliness unhinged from the direction of the Spirit uh, on its own. That seems like a kind of freedom, but it ultimately means that one is in bondage to whatever it is that one desires, and beyond that, uh, in bondage to what Paul will call the principalities and powers. So if you think of um, uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, when C.S. Lewis talks about Edmund and encountering the Turkish delight— when uh i had uh, one of my sons with me uh, in uh, Isra- uh maybe uh, I don't remember where we were, we We're somewhere overseas, and there was Turkish delight uh, there, and he was really reluctant to eat it because he was afraid, having uh, had that story read to him so many times, that he would just crave more and more and more of it because that's the way that it works in the story. The more Turkish delight that she gives Edmund, the more Turkish delight that he wants, and that ends up with him in slavery to her. That's, that's coming right out of the biblical picture. Uh, For instance, Ephesians chapter two, the prince of the power of the air, how does he have power over us? It's by driving us along by the desires of the body and of the mind. That's freedom, it seems like, because I'm doing what I want to do and I, I don't have any check or restraint on myself, but that actually is what the, that is exactly what the slavery is. So this song is really Uh, grappling with the ambivalence uh, of somebody who is, it seems moving towards something that she knows that she knows is out of control and something that ultimately is going to hurt. Uh, Dana Jennings has a song called sing me back home on themes of death uh, in country music. And she compares this uh, song to Dante's Inferno, the, the, tour of uh, the nether regions that, that uh, Dante takes, uh, takes us on in the inferno with these, these, um, the, these different rings, these different uh, regions of hell. Uh, that's what's happening lyrically in this song. And then she says this, most people in their hallmark reveries think of love as heaven, but in fire, ring of fire, love is hell. June Carter and Johnny Cash's love for each other incinerated the lives of those around them. It was love like a fire all shut up in their bones. That's biblical imagery, too, from Jeremiah. And like King David's love for Bathsheba, it was a love that was both holy and wrong at the same time, end quote. Uh, Now, I don't think that Bathsheba and David's love, uh, first of all, was love. Uh, we can talk about that later. Second of all, I don't think it was holy, although God did uh, ultimately turn some of the circumstances coming out of that to good in the, in the life of Solomon and the establishment of the kingdom and so forth, but I wouldn't call it holy. Uh, but of course, God also turned in a much more visible way the love of Johnny and June toward good. So ultimately, after all of this wrong had happened and after all of these bad decisions had had happened, uh, both June Carter and Johnny Cash – Uh, ended up as disciples of Jesus Christ. They ended up uh, devoted to Christ, devoted to each other, uh, restoring relationships with their family members. So some good did ultimately take place, but they never presented the end as justifying uh, what it was that they did that they knew to be wrong. They, They saw this for what it was at its beginning. And the burning there... Uh, was something that if it had gone on that trajectory would never have been satisfied. So when I think about this song, you think about the way that desire and uh, a, a certain kind of love and hell all come together i think of uh, elder zosima in the brothers karamazov by dostoevsky saying that hell the way he's defining hell is the suffering of being no longer able to love so there is a that uh, there is a burning but it is a a kind of burning of desire that is not satisfiable. So if you, if you think of the way that Jesus uh, talks about the rich man and Lazarus, for instance, and uh, the rich man is in, uh, is in torment, and he's asking for a drop of water. There's a, a sense of thirst that is not satisfiable uh, there. That's, that's awful. And this is a little hint of that experience is showing up in this song. It didn't satisfy, they couldn't find it, although they ultimately did. And they ultimately found it in a way that uh, almost never happens with each other. Now, that normally does not happen, but they, they actually did, not because the affair was holy, but because they found gospel freedom as repentant sinners. So... The fire went wild, but ultimately, if you think about the way that Scripture is using fire, John the Baptist talks about fire is going to burn up all of the things that you're uh, that you're counting on. That fire is the fire of judgment, and all of us ought to be able to relate in some way to this song. You may say, "Well, I don't relate to this song because I'm not an adulterer." Well, I'm not either in in that literal sense. But all of us are adulterers if we define that in terms of the way that the Bible does as those who have gone after idols. I mean, every single one of us, we're all sinners, which means every single one of us are those who have been unfaithful to God and have pursued idols. And if not for the grace of God, we still, we still would be. So we've all experienced that. We all know something of what that is. We all know what it is to be constantly battling against the flesh, Romans 7, Galatians 5. We all know what it is to experience the fiery darts of the devil, as Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We all we all know what it is uh, in some way or the other to burn, maybe not in this way for some body, but... To burn, perhaps for some position in your workplace, or uh, some reputation in the eyes of the people who know you, or uh, in some uh, success, or, or whatever it is that you that you pine for, that easily can become out of control in a way that uh, that is is terrifying. Uh, we had one time in our house a grease fire that just emerged so suddenly in the kitchen and i did not know what to do because uh, i knew you're not supposed to put water on a grease fire that that will just accelerate it and so i didn't know what to do that wouldn't make it worse and i'm trying to remember and if it hadn't been for our neighbor coming in the door at that time and knowing how to handle this, it was just becoming, it was getting more and more out of control. And I could see the house uh, headed toward being just engulfed in flames. I didn't know how to control it and I needed help. So did Johnny Cash and June Carter. They they needed help and they they found it, not by escaping the fire of God's judgment, but by receiving it in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and in his resurrection. So this is a sad song. It's a a sad song about the ambivalence of, of this sort of pull. But knowing the end of the story, it ultimately becomes a hopeful song. But the hopefulness is not by learning to manage the fire. It's by crying out for somebody to pull you out of that burning house. Because it's true, you know, it burns. It burns, burns, burns that ring of fire. Thanks for listening to The Cross and the Jukebox. If you haven't yet, subscribe uh, to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Pocket Casts or wherever you listen. And if you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe the cover art and you'll find the show notes, including some details that you might have missed. And let me know in the comments or by email what song or songs you would like for us to talk about here on The Cross and the Jukebox Until next time, Onward, this is Russell Moore. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.